Welcome to Tig's Bits. This week, J.D. Marsh from Breggy Bomb Foods joins us once again, and it's his first time meeting the boys. We talk about barbecue, music, behind-the-scenes stories from competition barbecue, and even the handler talks about some concerts and things like that, what it's like on the road. If you're an LSU fan and you want to celebrate the latest national championship, Head over to Bayou47.com and pick up some very unique wood bottle openers that come in sinker cypress, quarter sown walnut, quarter sown white oak, and maple, and they have different finishes as well. Our friends at Gator Millworks are making these products, and, and they're an absolute great gift for any Tiger fan. I know what you're thinking. Yes, this shirt is available at TigsBits.com, as well as this fantastic coffee mug and this wonderful tumbler that comes in eight different colors. So head on over to TigsBits.com and get one today. We want to thank all of the new followers and subscribers to the show. We are honored to have you. And if you haven't already, hit the subscribe or follow button to be notified when a new show or some new content drops. With all of that housekeeping out of the way, let's welcome J.D. Marsh. I think, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, J.D., but, but when we did this last year, was one of your first podcasts that you'd ever done, right? Yeah, it was, it was in the first three that I'd done. I can remember one more before that for sure, maybe two before that, but it was, it was one of the first for sure. <laughs> that that dude's been on everything ever since. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I mean, that's what we do here at Tig's Bits. Obviously, yeah. you know, uh, we we just right. we bring that's everybody right. up to the big leagues, in, including ourselves, including right, ourselves you know. here lately. So I'm following <laughs> Bubbly Love Sponge and Diamond Dallas Page. I'm feeling pretty good about myself. Uh, You're damn right, oh, you should awful. be. <laughs> you absolutely should be. Oh. <laughs> I've had to tell JD uh, on Thursday. When we thought that uh, that DDP may be coming in, he got pushed. We ended up doing it Friday. I had to I had to tell him. I said, "Man, I, I really I've never had to bump anybody. Sorry, man, but I'm gonna have to bump you. What are you doing next week? <laughs> you know, yeah, DDP's coming in. I'm sorry. You do what understand. you gotta do. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. For sure. It's but, been fun the past but, week or two to watch to watch y'all on social media and watch y'all blowing up and. Uh, see what all's going on. It's it's pretty wild. Hey, you're telling us it, it, it awesome, is. Awesome, man. I'm it, I'm glad you enjoyed wild. it. Yeah, we definitely enjoyed this little little bump and ride. So it's now it's like, all right, guys, we got to get a little. Let's make make sure we stay <laughs> consistent here, and let's and, and yeah. let's bring something. And then Jay Hart the brings part. in DDP, though. You know that was a nice start. <laughs> yep, absolutely, no absolutely. Yeah, but but look, so we've got JD on here today. Everybody bringing him back, of course, and when, you know what that means. J.D. Marsh is on here. There's only one thing that we're going to be talking about today, and that's Texas barbecue, barbecue in general, condiments, whatever. But, J.D., bring us up to speed on everything that you guys have been up, up to with Breggy Bomb here lately. I know that uh, we're in the middle of baseball season, but that doesn't, stop ba that doesn't stop barbecue sauces, rubs, and all of that stuff from going on. I know y'all been in competitions and things like that. And it's been a, been a little bit since we kind of, kind of talked and got caught up. So what, what's been going on so far with all of y'all in uh, 2023? Yeah, I'm trying to remember the last time we talked, I guess it was uh, last fall sometime after we'd been to Kansas city, I think. Um, yeah. But yeah, since then we've gone, 
Well, you were you were a part of it early this year, uh, January or February, whenever that was. We launched in all Rouses over there in Louisiana. Mm-hmm. We did a big deal with them. Uh, we've gone into Kroger, like 127 Kroger since we last talked. Uh, we're in 130 HEBs here in Texas. Um, we have uh, we have Albertsons coming on board probably in the next three to four weeks, and. Um, we're super excited about that. There, we're actually we have a very traditional uh, Texas style brisket rub that we've had kind of sitting there waiting to go for a good while now, and hadn't ever put it out there. And um, Albertsons specifically requested that, so we're launching that first time ever. It hasn't been available to anybody. That's going to be exclusive in Albertsons coming up in about three weeks, and we're super excited to get that on the market. Oh yeah. I'm, ex- yeah, I'm awesome, excited. All kind of stuff I'm excited for there. that to get on the market. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and it's like I said, it's super traditional Texas brisket rub. Uh, we're calling it Brisky Business is the name of it. Nice. Uh, I was, we, uh, one, a buddy of ours came up with that name. We said, Brisky man, that's, that's a good one. We'll go with that. I, I uh, like so, that. And it's, it's heavy salt, pepper, uh, garlic, a little tad bit of sugar, but very traditional Texas style. That little little bit of sugar to just kind of help aid in getting a little more bark. Is that what the sugar sugar does? Okay. Yep, that's right. And then we got uh, new product wise, we have our our crawfish boiler, our seafood boil that's ready to go. We kind of missed the boat this year. We were a little late on it. We did um, some testing at the shed there in Mississippi in February. Brad cooked a bunch of a bunch of crab in it and gave us some really good feedback on it. We did a crawfish cook-off here a month or two ago and actually won the thing down in Matagorda, Texas, down on the coast using it. So we've oh, got some good feedback That's on that. Stuff. So we, we'll, we'll go full bore on that coming into next crawfish season, you know, beginning of 2024. And then we have a right. Creole blackening seasoning that we are super proud of. I, I think it's my favorite product that we have. And it's been picked up by the Landry's Group, who owns the Golden oh. Nugget. Uh, Nice. One of the biggest awesome. restaurateurs in the world. They picked it up. If you eat it at a saltgrass steakhouse and get anything black, and that's our seasoning on it right now. And oh, hopefully, wow, wow. the plan is the plan is to expand it into their other concepts. They have something crazy like sixty different concepts, but everything from Vic and Anthony's and Bubba Gump and Landry Seafood, saltgrass, yeah. all that. So we're moving in that direction. They, they're starting us in saltgrass, but hopefully, we'll be moving into other concepts soon. So a lot going on on new product front. We're super excited about all that stuff. On the barbecue side, you know, we've been, catering's been good. We've had one or two caterings a week here lately, which is about about right for us. That's what we like to do. Um, we, we went to Memphis in May last month, which that was our first time there. We did not cook. We didn't compete. We were just hanging out with, uh, again, the folks from the shed and loco cookers, those folks. They invited us over there. So we just, it was nice to be at a cook-off and not have to work your ass off the whole oh, time. I bet to sit back just, and relax. I guess. <laughs> <Actually> enjoy the <laughs> event. <laughs> that's exactly right. And that Memphis and May, like I said, that's our first time there. It is another whole nother ball game. Totally different than anything we have ever done. <laughs> as far as the what you're cooking, whole hog, I and mean, we, we don't do whole hog. Uh, that, that's the big deal there. But the way that you turn it in, you turn in a box, and then the judges actually come to your tent, and you put on a 12- to 15-minute presentation for the judges where you're showing them your, your pig. You're telling them how you cooked it. What did you cook it over? How long did you cook it? What seasonings did you use? And then you cut into it and you let them taste it while they're sitting there. And it's really all about putting on that show for those judges. The, the so we've never done anything like everything. that. I mean, yeah, everything we've ever done, 
and we've done some of the biggest cookoffs in the world has been put it in a box and turn it in the judges, and that's all you have to do. So that was a different ball game there. Well, some salesmanship it was, it was really goes into fun. that. Yeah, I like Big it. Big time. A lot of salesmanship. <laughs> yeah, yeah, absolutely. But it was a lot of fun. Well, hey, JD, I'm JR officially, finally. Hey, buddy. Yeah, I had to make sure everybody knows I'm from Alabama and our internet's terrible here and we're backwoods and we're technically uh, uh, challenged. So I just want to make sure everybody knew that right off the bat. So there you go. It's out in the world. There you go. But good to meet you. Thank you for coming on the show. I was listening to everything and uh, I was just saying you were talking about doing Memphis in May. And um, I was saying this podcast prep should prep you for that because you're getting used to talking and BSing and all that and giving your Given your oh, spiel yeah. on your on the business, just talking about the technology, we can lean that into JD's field with the new stuff in the world of of, of cooking, and everybody's a cook now since uh, you know Food Network and all those shows launched in the early two thousands, and that's just this explosion of chefs being famous and how you know people at everyday Joe's know who chefs and who cookers are and and barbecue masters, and you know these are public figures now off of cooking, which used to not be that case until you know television some years ago but through all the progressions and i, I definitely want to talk about pre-covid covid how all are on track since then but you know like we've talked about on here i use the traeger pellet group pellet system these days you know some people like gas some people like charcoal some people are still wood fire smokers electric smokers this and that and the temperatures and how has the technology changed and how much of it are you actually using, or is it like a lot of things? It's it's cute, but we still just use the basics to get done what we need to get done. No, we use all of it. Uh, it depends on the application, what we're doing, where we're at. I've got a Traeger that sits on my back porch that I, I like to use when I cook at home because it's convenient and it's easy. Uh, we've got Brantley's cooked on one a big propane fired old hickory rotisserie pit that we have two of those that we use if we're doing large caterings. Um, things badass <laughs> we've got um some new folks that we've started doing a lot of work with is loco cookers and they have a new technology it's it's almost like a weber kettle kettle grill and combination of that and a pellet cooker so it's kind of the same fan and burner system as a pellet cooker but it burns charcoal instead of pellets but it regulates oh. your temperature with that fan and it's about the size of a, a weber kettle but you get that same old school charcoal taste if you're cooking burgers or whatever you're doing versus the pellets, which is pretty cool. And they also have uh, they also have some flat tops and they have big boilers. We use their crawfish ninety quart uh, crawfish boilers, which they're really nice. But yeah, that new piece of technology on those little kettles is really cool. Uh, you get that, like I said, that you get that same cool. charcoal same oh, charcoal no. taste, but you you can sit back like a pellet grill and just let it go. So yeah, all that you know, whether it's any of those temperature gauges, right. thermopins. That's what I was going to ask. Being able to look at on and check the temperature instead of having to hover over. I mean, things like that. I'm sure you've got you've probably got timers or things set where if it goes below this, it's going to alert me. Absolutely, and, sure. and it's it's nice, you know. Especially, let's take a cook off for example. At a, at a cook off, we're still going old school at a cook off. We're using a traditional offset stick burner because. Though I like the Traegers and stuff like that, and I, I have no problem using them, for the absolute best product I can put out, I still feel that that traditional offset burner is going to put out the best product. But we'll sure as hell use some thermometers and some technology in that <laughs> offset burner and tie it to our phone so we can get some sleep. And if the temperature starts to dip, it can alert us and we can get up and go add wood to the fire. So, yeah, a combination old school and new school. 
that makes sense. That that seems to be that's really what. It, and, and I work in the music business, so it's that's still in our in, in every business. You got to uh, adapt and and use embrace what the good parts of it. Same with social media. Everybody hates social media now, but there's I to see my friends' kids and things like that. My aunt, I haven't seen. Well, that's that's the good part of it. But right, people fighting right. over people they don't know is the bad part. So same with anything. You take the good and leave the bad out. So that makes sense. I was just wondering that because uh, exactly that, like you're saying, because I know the the guys that I know because I've been to some of this stuff and know people who've dabbled in it over the years. And, yeah, they don't sleep. You have to be on rotation. You're up all night. You're watching this. You're checking that. There's a the process and, a, and a, a guard to who's got to be responsible for what, what part. And, uh, and you know, a cook-off is really the only time anymore that we uh, do the stay up all night kind of stuff. And we don't do a whole lot of that. We, we cook pretty hot and fast. Now we used to do the, you know, two twenty five cook it for 16, 18 hours, but it's been many, it's probably been five or six years since we've done that. We'll like a brisket is usually our longest cook and we can get a brisket done in eight to 10 hours. So, Usually, if we're up at four in the morning getting it started, we'll be in good shape. But uh, cookoffs are really the only time that we do get very little sleep. Anything else we do, whether it's a catering or or something like that, we're cooking that on the old hickories, and so it, it, you don't have to babysit it near as much. But cookoffs, we do still like to go with that old school traditional offset pit. So now you're saying you go a little, little, little hotter and heavier and do it in a short amount of time versus that low and slow. What made you transition over to that? Uh, seeing other people doing it and being successful and them getting more sleep than us. Uh, there we go. There we go. Look, I, I, I can't, I, hey, I can attest that yep. I, I watched I, helping JD and them cook. You know, I'm like, wait, what? You're, what? Don't we, don't we put this a little lower, you know, than that? No, no, no. Well, okay. I asked them the same thing, Chad. I'm like, what, why? Why are we doing this? And yeah, same answer. Well, I've started doing it. Yeah. <laughs> and hey, I save pellets and I, and, it, and I cook faster. Well, it's like you you see Phil Jackson win the championship. That's, that's right. Offense. Hey, maybe. We and now like, it's been offense. at least it's you been know, at man. least five years, and uh, we cook everything between two seventy five and three hundred. Now we don't go any lower than two seventy five ever. Well, I'm no pro, but I've been doing that for years, and it's been probably yeah. out of I felt like I could like my. My neighbor used to keep everything real low, and we'd cook ribs. Not like I'm just the rib master, but like I'm out there kind of screwing he's around, good. going fast <laughs> and and quick. And then you know he's been spending way more time, and I get done, he's like, "Dude, your ribs I think are better than mine," you know. And I've been That's doing exactly all, right. Like, you know, I'm like, "Well, I don't know, man. It's just the way I kind of do it." But I'm a Weber guy. That Loco Grill, that sounds like something I need to take a look at because yeah, check it out. They got them. Uh, you know? Yeah, check it out. They got them at Home Depot. They just went. And they're available recently. Yep. My yeah. ears perked oh, up well. on that. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah, he'll have one by midnight. <laughs> yeah, they're very, they're very cool. Yeah, Panama City. Here I'm. Here I come. Says Blaze. <laughs> Is there one closer now? We got one in Destin. Oh, all right. Yeah, Excellent. yeah, yeah. No, it's only been 15 here, years man. since I lived there, so it's about time. <laughs> little town I'm from, uh, uh, from Florine, a little town called Manny's well, getting a Taco Bell. That's big time. That's oh, big wow. time. You know? We just we just got a Taco Bell a few months ago. Uh oh, we're, we're big the world over here too. So where so where are you based out of? <laughs> I'm in Sealy, Texas, just uh, west of Houston. Gotcha. Yeah, we were actually in the Houston area, and I, I was going to mention earlier. I figured we wait. Yeah. I, I've, we've yeah. worked at the Houston Rodeo a few times over the years, and I've gotten some great barbecue snacking around there and partying around there at the 
I had to switch hats when we had a Texan on my buddy, Joey Austin, who started Huey hats out of his garage. Uh, he used to put a big show on with crown Royal back when I was with John party, oh, yeah. used to go over there and, and, and party with those guys. And then when Justin, and I've been back the few times we've played the rodeo, um, just always look forward to, to the queue out that way for sure. But, uh, we were in Houston. Oh, it's been a few yep. months ago now. We were in Conroe, Texas, north side of Houston, uh, north of the woodlands out that way. We played a uh, we played a concrete manufacturing plants big corporate huh. party deals. Us and Randy Hauser played at this that as Texas should be the largest concrete manufacturing <laughs> facility I've ever seen in my life. There would have to be two hundred acres of just pipe out in this pasture field stacked thirty feet high. It was just yeah, we're in Texas, but. Uh, but uh, I was thinking about that. You'd be in from there and you said you'd mentioned going to Kansas City and Memphis in May. Um, and I know COVID kind of put a damper on everything. But now that you guys are ramping back up, just like with us, there's t- places you get real excited to. And after you've been a bunch, you're probably not as excited as you used to be. What are, are, Do you guys still get on a big spread? Do you still How many cities do you think you do? What's the uh, what's a run like that look for you guys? And um yeah, are there places you really – what's the ones you really look for? Myself to? and my direct team, we don't do nearly as many cook-offs as we used to do. We used to do, I mean, one every other weekend throughout the year. But now we're all older and have kids, and you know how that goes. So we kind of had to slow that down a little bit. We sponsor a couple teams that go out and do cook almost every weekend. Um, so they're, they're you know, either guys that don't have kids or their kids are already grown and gone. So they got the time to do it. So we sponsor them, let them go cook under our name and promote our products for us and whatnot. And we go join them when we can, but our, our direct team, myself and my partners, we might cook eight events a year now, not a whole lot. Um, but our big ones obviously are as far as time and effort, our biggest production every year is the Houston rodeo cook off. That's a big one for us. We have four spots out there. There's nobody with with a bigger spot than us at, at the rodeo. Uh, there's other teams that have equal spots to us, but nobody has bigger. So we got a big production. We have full band, live music every night. We feed about 1,200 people a night, and that's for three nights, Good Thursday, Lord. Friday, Saturday. Um, so that's that's our biggest effort every year. You know, we that's we spend... We spend $300,000 in three days at that thing, putting that on. Wow. It's a it's wow. quite a production. That's that's a year round process for us. Wow, planning, getting sponsors, all that yeah. stuff. So that's as far as effort. That's our biggest one. My personal Man, favorite one is San Antonio at the rodeo there, and that's actually the largest cook off in the state of Texas. It's bigger than Houston by about thirty yep. teams, and that's my favorite cook off every year. I love that cook off. It's just a you know Houston's a big party. And the actual cooking part of it is kind of a crapshoot in my book. San Antonio, while still a party, is not as big of a party. It's more of a traditional cook-off. And I like it because we've been successful there. We've done really well there. Um, I think it's more of an even playing field as far as the rules and everything versus Houston. Um, Kansas City, last year we qualified to go to Kansas City to the Royal that was our first time there. That was an amazing experience. There's 500 and some teams there, which is insane. It's at the <laughs> Kansas Motor Speedway. And um, wow. we were lucky enough. We got a uh, third, place in tur- third place in Turkey and 13th place in pork. So we were extremely you – get, you get to go to the stage in anything there, you're happy. And we got to go in two categories. We were shocked and thrilled. Right. (laughs) And then, like I said, this this year Memphis, it was our 
first time in Memphis last month, and uh, it was a fun. It was a fun one. We'll be back there just to go hang out. And then there's a lot of smaller ones around around the the Houston South Texas area that we do every year. You know, small fifty to hundred team cookoffs in our our hometowns and whatnot. So yeah, that's that's where we're at. But Houston San Antonio are our two consistent every year. Two big boys. Yeah. And that's uh, and you know, we we kind of do the same. We we do about eighty shows a year. We used to do about one hundred and fifty. So kind of like you guys, we've cut down considerably now that everybody's <laughs> got kids and married, and you know, kind of got the career to where we can do what you know, kind of tame it to an angle where it's more manageable at this stage. And probably like you guys, y'all probably used to oh, yeah. stay up all night and and raise cane. And as that as time went on, there was less beers and less Jack Daniels and a little more <laughs> making sure phone calls got made and things got taken care of as life happens. Uh, but for us, same, and some of our favorite events we ever do are rodeos. We always say if we could play about 50 rodeos yeah. a year, we'd be fine because we love playing those. They're just, you know, that NASCAR is some of the most just, you know, red-blood American things left out there. I mean, you know, you're going to get the flag and you're going to – everybody's, you know, gets their hat off and it's just going to be the real deal. And, um, and, and, and barbecue competition, as big as it's gotten, some of those do the same numbers. I don't know exactly what the cook-offs are or, or the numbers are at the Houston cook-off every year, but I know over that three-day period, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, uh, the entry into the gates is somewhere around a half a million people. Right. I mean, that's just, yeah, that's, that's insane. Well, um, talking about being from down that way, it's funny. When I first got into the music business, we used to come out there and play with some Texas legends oh, yeah. like uh, Jason Bolin and Roger Krieger and Kevin Fowler. And we would always play the, uh, we would play the firehouse saloon in Houston, Texas. I don't even know if that place is still there. Rest in peace. Rest in peace. It's gone. It's not oh, there anymore. That was... Yeah. I, I want to say about five or six years ago, it, it burned down under questionable, uh, <laughs> questionable <laughs> circumstances. I could imagine it was um, it was cool back then because it was a big club to go play and we were playing opening for Jason Bowling. You know, this is when I was with Wayne Mills, Chad, and um, uh, but yeah, I remember going. In, we're going to Houston. We're playing the Firehouse. Man, it was cool. You know, but thinking back, yeah, it was probably just uh, I hadn't been in years, but it probably was a lot rougher than at the time. No, it was still a great spot, and they had great people come in. I mean, famous club here in Houston, Houston area, obviously been around a long time, and everybody's played there. Uh, yeah, super cool old school spot. They had all the boots hanging from the ceiling. People would oh yeah leave donate their boots when they played there. Whatever they'd hang them yep. from the ceiling. It was a just a cool old spot. They had they had good barbecue. They better have good barbecue. Good barbecue. <laughs> yeah, we play Billy Bob's. We we still go over to Cooper's and eat. Uh, and I know people. Some people bash it, but man, Cooper's is fine to me. In Texas, you guys are just eat up with it. I've got <laughs> I got a buddy who lives really <laughs> Texas just so he could eat all the good barbecue. Um, he lives down San yeah, Marcos. A new, He's right in the uh, heart of I say new. There's a spot there, uh, Hayes County Barbecue there in San Marcos that has been mm. open, I don't know, four or five years, and it's it's really good. And, and then it's fine. It's right that it's right off the interstate. Just right, right off there. the interstate, yeah. And the, the I think the the best barbecue that I have ever eaten at a restaurant is in Seguin, Texas, which is just not far from San Marcos at all. And that's burnt bean, and it's been there about three years ago. And th- those guys just got nominated for a James Beard Award. They were at the James Beard Awards last week. They didn't win, but uh, still, for a barbecue guy to get nominated for a James Beard Award is saying something. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. J.D. and I have no talked doubt. about this. 
doing a, a, a tour of Texas, I don't know when either one of us are going to have the time to actually do it. So we're going to have to just do it like in Houston proper in one day, you know, and, and hop around the area. But, but man, some of those places that you can just go and get lost in, it's kind of like here in Louisiana, the Boudin Trail, you know, there's all kinds of places along in Acadiana and, and through there that mom and pop shops that have just the best boudin and sausage and smoked meats that you'll ever have. But boudin is king here. We're in Louisiana and they all have the best, but I'm just, here's a little spoiler alert. I've been to all of them. I'm going to do a show on this at some point in time. They're all good. There are none of them that are bad. I've never <laughs> left one and I've been like, well, my God, that was just absolutely terrible. They should shut the doors. You know, I mean, that's, that's we never are. happened. We're pretty excited. We're we're getting a best stop yeah. here in Katy. They're opening the best stop. Oh, are you? Oh, yeah. wow. Well, that's smart. That's freaking smart on them. Yep. They nice. will make a killing. Absolutely, man. That best stop, Crackling, is the best. That's the best thing I've tried I, yeah. it in a bunch I'm of with, I'm with that, too. You know. Um, hey, and some of the best boudin I've ever had. Talking about that, some of the best boudin I've had was uh, in Baton Rouge out of the damn street vendor <laughs> guy in the hot dog cart before this has been years ago there used to be a guy that sold them out of a hot dog cart hot dog cart in baton rouge uh and it was oh, yeah. uh, two bucks or whatever for some boudin on a paper plate i'm like <laughs> i'll tell oh, you yeah, what I mean, it, it's a fine it's a fine art to make yeah. boudin i I've, i can make sausage i can make good sausage but boudin i've probably made five or six batches or tried to i mean they're good but the last batch I made, it almost looked like it, it had to way hot somehow. Somehow or another, I got heavy handed with paprika in it, and it ended up being kind of reddish. It would have just, you know, we ate what? it. It got it got destroyed. It was good, but <laughs> but but, but just I would not. Yeah. I would I wouldn't give it to anybody. You know, I wasn't very proud of it. It, it did not look the part. Well, you know, and on Jr.'s point there, it's uh, I was. On some crazy adventure, which could be a show in itself, one time I went, ended up I got lost down in Pierre Park, Louisiana, and spent like no two Lord. days down there trying to buy a camper. Ended up in just an absolute fiasco of events that took place over that two days. Never got the camper, but I did get some good boudin. It was this little gas station, and I was like, "Man, I'm hungry. Let me see what they got in here." And dude, they had just like the boudin was everywhere in there. I was like, "This is unbelievable." <laughs> So at the first, I never even heard of like, I guess what they call like a blood boudin. They had that. They had something uh -huh. else. And uh, I mean, I, I had like two or three different things rolling. Dude, it was so good. That's still the best I've ever had, that gas station. That was a highlight of my trip, that and some frog legs I found. But oh yeah, no camper yeah. came home. <laughs> but some great stories. Yeah, you ate good. You know, I mean, it sounds like Can't you got you lost in the swamp. So, you know, worse <laughs> things. Could have, you came out of it. I did. That's a bit, I you're out, still that, here talking to us. Uh, I did come out of it. Some folks had come out point. of Pierre Park, you know what I mean? Like you've been there. You, there's some. You can I get, shipped you some get product to Pierre Park yesterday. Did you? I did. You? <laughs> I, did. Well, I remember seeing it when I was the packing love the box is spreading. <laughs> I, there you go. Well, there's not too many places that you ever we get a lot seen of Louis Pierre We get a lot of Louisiana love. Absolutely. Well, I think, it, sure. and you've taught you and I've talked about this, JD. The 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 mutual love of like the of sister brother states i guess you could say like texas and louisiana we're friends you know it's like yeah, i'd say especially the southeast brothers, texas area maybe, yeah yes especially and houston um you know like 
Houston, Lafayette, and Baton Rouge. I would lump those almost all together. They're just one, because I would too. It's one big the heavy, <laughs> the heavy oil field influence. We got a ton of ton of y'all over here that work in the oil field. There's a ton of us that go over there work in the oil field. Mm-hmm. Most of the companies have offices in both areas. It yeah. all operates as one and the same. And so it we really have a ton does. of spillover. You know, every every bar in this area during crawfish season selling crawfish. We got a ton yeah. of Cajun influence here, which I'll take that all day long. And I think yeah. it's the same over there. Y'all got a lot of the Texas cooking influence over there as well. I want the smoke. The smoke is not, it just doesn't want to seem to cross the Sabine River yet, but it, it, eventually yeah. it, maybe it will. They just, they, they do it their way. Hickory, pecan, not knocking that. I love hickory and pecan and all, but I that that Texas style of barbecue, the way the brisket, especially brisket, that you can't get that anywhere really in Louisiana. You can not very few places that you can actually yeah. get it like like you would want it. Nothing uh, like like you can at Texas, like you can get boot in here. You know, you go to anywhere, right. you can go to a ton of places. Just uh, it's all gonna be good if it isn't, and you're in Texas, you shouldn't be open. And you won't be open, so they'll, they'll run you out. High level of expectation there. Yeah, I never had brisket until I was an adult and went to Texas. Same as I'd never had boudin until I was had went to Louisiana. Mm-hmm. That's regional stuff. That that you know, we have barbecue in Alabama, but it's mostly yeah, pork right. and chicken. Um, you know, and, and so, like I said, until I was an adult going on my own to Texas, I really never had brisket. Same as we talked a few episodes ago about. When I went to California the first time and right. had tri-tip, I had never know what that was. And tri-tip's a huge barbecue staple out west. Tri-tip's getting getting a lot more popular here. Also, a lot of people are starting yeah. to cook tri-tip. Uh, I love it. I think it's great. That's a great cut of meat. Yeah. Well, I tell you what, Chad, Chad, uh, Chad sent Chad sent me a, a wagyu tri-tip, and I mean yeah. we've we've discussed this ad nauseum on the podcast, but. Well, that's a whole different world in and of itself. The Wagyu tri-tip, just, oh, it's just unbelievable. Was, Sorry, J.I. Oh, God. I so, Chad, Chad, where do you live at? So, I live over in Freeport, Florida, near Santa Rosa Beach, Florida. Um, okay. So, Destin, Panama City Beach, right there kind of Yeah, yeah. so Panama City Beach, Back Beach Barbecue. Oh, yeah, dude. That is a legit barbecue it, spot. It really is, man. It is on point. I tell people that too. I'm like, guys, there's some really good barbecue right here. They've they've got it all, man. And it's very Texas it. style. I went in there. We were down there a couple years ago. I've been there a couple times, and we just happened to be driving by, and I saw he had those two offset smokers sitting out in the parking lot blowing smoke. I said, hell, I got to I got to stop in here and try this. And went in there, walked in. They had uh, I think Ryan Bingham's playing on the radio, so they had a Texas boy on the radio and. Got to talking to the guy that owns that spot, and he was. I told him, I said, you know, they had beef ribs and everything that we do here. And I asked him, I, I said, man, how, are you from Texas? What's the story here? And he said, no, but he'd been to Texas and fell in love with the Texas barbecue. And he took like six months and went and just traveled around Texas and went to all the spots and just talked to the pitmasters, trying to, you know, learn some tricks to the trade and whatnot, and went back to Florida, started working on it. And that's the spot. But Outside of Texas, that is the most authentic Texas-style barbecue I've had anywhere. Well, that's good to know because I'm not that versed with Texas barbecue as far as I hadn't spent a lot of time in Texas and gone to places. But I went there. I remember it opened, and I went in, and I kind of thought, my first thought was, I think they're just trying to look like a barbecue place. There's a lot of places that pop up around here, barbecue, yeah. and it's kind of like, yeah, it's okay. 
And I remember I got to that line and I was like, whoa, man, we got a, there's a lot of action going on here, you know, especially on the beef side. And it's phenomenal. That was my first time. I've told everybody about it. I'm like, man, there's some legit barbecue on Back Beach Road there. You got to no check it doubt. out. Yeah. It's well, really good. good. That's really a good, good endorsement to know then. All right. So, yeah. Good to know. My, I thought my, my you were from that area. That's okay. why I brought that up. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm flying out on Saturday to go to Ireland for 10 days and the weather's going to be in the oh, 60s there. So oh I'm pretty God. excited about that. Just had to rub you that in our face, be. didn't you? <laughs> he really did. Yeah. That's yeah. awesome, man. I've never been. I've always wanted to go. It's it's on the short list. That's for yeah, sure. Yeah, we've never been either. It's going to be fun. We're looking forward. I think Where seven days. We're going to Dublin, Galway, and Cork. And then we'll – that's going to be seven days. And then we'll fly to London and be in London for three days. JR, has, has Justin Moore ever done anything, like any type of international thing? Or does it always stay in the United States? It just kind of made me think of that. No, we haven't. Tra- we've done Canada and Mexico, but we've never been Europe or anything. We get asked to. We have been asked to several times, but we just never have. That's a bunch. You know, it's always, you know, yeah, the kids and the this and that. We just hadn't made the time and made it happen. That's a lot. You know, you have to go for really, you have to go for a couple of weeks to make it worth your money. By the time you pay the taxes and how expensive everything is over there, it's it's really kind of a wash. Um, but you go do it to, you know, keep your fans happy and, you know, streaming and this and that. It helps to get all that stuff up in other countries. But no, nah, we hadn't. And hell, I don't even like going to Canada and Mexico. That's a pain in the butt. I can only imagine going anywhere else. I mean, just with customs and this and the that. And then, you know, we're a bunch of hillbillies. It's like we don't we can't speak but one language. You know, we we yeah. barely know the rules here in America. Don't need no learn, try to learn any yep. new set of rules. We got to abide by. So uh, so for now, we've done that. But we, I'm sure we will because we've had a few we were gonna do that were like USO type things um, yeah. for the military for the government. You know, one was in like South Korea. We were actually gonna do that, and something happened, and it didn't work out. But it was if we, I think we would start out doing some stuff like that before. But till Justin's kids get older. You know, that's unless they yeah. can go. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we're missing we're missing Lucas Nelson in Dublin by two days. Oh man. We just happened to see he was gonna be there, like, oh that's when when we're gonna be there, but miss it by two days. Damn, that would have been fun. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that'd have been a lot of fun. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, and they uh a lot of there's a lot more of that exchange these days, but uh from American artists going over there regularly. Um I know a lot of the different coalitions like CMT and, and different ones uh, do that kind of stuff. A lot of, a lot of American acts playing over in Europe these days and Australia and all over. Um, you know, local Texas guys, you see on their schedules almost every year, they have a European leg of their schedule. And I don't know. Uh, I think there's like certain clubs over there, you know, in certain yeah. Ireland and England and that whole region that really embrace that country music. And I, I I don't know if it's expats that are taking it in or if it's the locals there oh, yeah. that are taking it in. It's the locals. I know, um, you know, even back in the day, um, smaller American bands sell, could, certain ones, sell more tickets over there. They made more money going to Europe. Yeah. I know a lot of, like, rock bands and things like that. And, um, yeah, it, it, but it's locals. They're craving the American stuff because American culture is so spread out all over the world. They see everybody yeah. has the same Instagram, you know, so – um, and you know the the radio stuff, and got to think a lot of those countries like you know they they don't have radio like we do, where you can just hear whatever and uh, different things. And the if if only a few acts go through, you know, if you think of any of us, if you live in Houston or Panama City or Baton Rouge, every weekend there's some right. famous person coming to play something around there. But if you live in one of these places, maybe not so much. And it, it might be local people, but oh my gosh, it's so and so from America that 
had this big song on America stuff. So, uh, yeah, it's a big deal because I know even now regional. Yeah, that's artists, what I'm saying. A lot of regional guys, you know, a lot of the Texas country guys. Every year you see a European wow. leg on their schedule. Yeah. So you are, uh, n- unlike Colonel Tom, Jr. you are allowed to leave the country. I just, <laughs> just want to verify that on the podcast. <laughs> I should be. I got to go to... I got to go to Canada next week. So if I can get across there, I should be good. Cause that's one of the toughest ones there is getting into Canada. Good Lord. Getting in and out of Canada is a pain in the butt. I've heard, I, I've, I've heard that that is, um, you know, just stories over the years, tour bus stories, rock bands, everybody else. Why, why is it so difficult? They're just the customs. They, they check everything. I they, yeah. It, yeah. Like you, well, they can, like, you'll pull up in the middle of the night, you know, and like, here's all our passports. All yeah. right, get everybody up, come inside. It's like, really? I mean, what do you think? We're, y'all are, somebody over here is paying us to come play this festival. We're not trying to sneak in here or sneak nothing out. What the hell? We're just, it's y'all, pay, y'all, are, y'all wanted us to come here. That's my argument. Here's my invite to, right here, man. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. And then coming back, same thing. But they will, and we've even we've even flown yeah, yeah. private just to avoid having to deal with it sometimes. Because I mean, it's just like hell. Let's just fly to where we're going, especially if it's like you know somewhere way off. It's like because that's a long ways too. I mean, everything in Canada is a long ways apart. Like you go from say <laughs> Toronto to the Calgary, because we played the Calgary Stampede a few times. You talking about days <laughs> worth of driving on? Right. You, know, you know, it ain't like America. You know, so. uh uh, but getting in and out is is I don't know why it's that big of a deal, but it is. Our Canada's they don't want Americans in, and they want you right back out. And they're going to take a piece of taxes on everything you do while you're there. Like we don't even take merchandise because they oh, tax right. it so bad that it's not even worth it to sell. We just leave. We we drop the trailer at at a. You will drop the trailer and in, in somewhere in American side, then go over and then pick it back <laughs> no, up that's on the way smart. back. I mean, you gotta you gotta you gotta work around it. I imagine that becomes an issue. In pro sports, especially you know playing in Toronto for for the NBA and the and the baseball players too, it's probably just a huge hassle for those sport you know for sports yeah. to be played in Canada, which is surprising that they still continue to to do it. You know that brings never... up that brings up a point. I, so I got a bunch of friends that are baseball players and and whatnot in the music business. Y'all are playing in all these different places. What do the taxes look like on that? Are you having to pay taxes in every state you play in? Um, depending on, you know, if they're paying you from that venue or whatever it is. Cause I know baseball players, you go play in 30 cities throughout the year in different, different States. You're having to pay state income taxes and whatnot in every single place that you go play. Is that the same way in the music business? Oh yeah. They showed Steph Curry's uh, a couple of weeks ago and his from each state where he had played how many thousands of dollars each state yeah. taxed him for his, cause his check came from that state. Yeah. It is similar to that in some ways. Um, cause certain States, uh, they go ahead and like, we go to California, there's a California withholding. Um, a lot of them withhold it up front. And then the others, it's kind of like you would, if uh-huh. you make so much per year there, you, you have to claim it and things like that. I'm assuming that's how it works. Um, you know, like if you're, if you don't, if you make less than 600 bucks, you don't have to send a W2. It's kind of the same thing at certain level. Um, but a lot of them do, and it's a different tax each place. And, and then also that goes into, um, if you're playing, say, um, a, um, a casino resort, uh, a native tribal casino resort, there's stuff they can hold out there too. So yeah, that it, changes it, it also. Right. Yeah. It's not as much for ours as, um, the ball players. Cause a lot of times the production company is based out of a town that puts on the show. So I think that's what I was wondering ways yeah. they get around that. 
Um, <laughs> but yes. Yeah. But in, but in certain ones, you just know, like California, I already know the check's going to be a weird number because they're going to go ahead and take uh, being an accountant for one of those guys is probably a pretty, pretty lucrative gig <laughs> <laughs> having to figure all that out. A lot of billable hours there. Yeah. No doubt. I, our accountant, she is a rock. Yeah. She is a rock star and she, she handles, uh, you know, it's probably a dozen acts on her own. And yeah, they're, they're, she's gotta be cause yeah. she's invaluable to keep up with all the stuff that Absolutely. we have going on. You know, 30 people, you know, credit cards, bills in and out, just the whole works. I sent you an article the other day of, and not jumping into politics, because that is not something that we will ever do on TIG's bits, but there was a, a, something that was just passed here in Baton Rouge. We can gripe about Some taxes. Ta- <laughs> yes, oh, we can yeah. always do that. Everybody <laughs> agrees on that. Yeah, that's <laughs> yeah, absolutely. That's right. Absolutely. Everybody, everybody all, that's a good, that's a, that is a good everybody common ground. We all hate taxes. <laughs> Um, but, but they, Baton Rouge passed a bill or they, they passed some, some incentives to bring in more touring acts into Baton Rouge to utilize Tiger Stadium and, and, uh, and, and the Raising Cane Center, maybe even the, uh, you know, the PMAC at LSU, I would hope, um, is, are things like that those types of incentives. I mean, that does draw in because of we're talking about taxes and that type of stuff. I would think it would probably be a lot more profitable now to play a gig in Baton Rouge and it would be say in California somewhere you're going to come, you're going to, you know, you're going to come home with more money. You the, the artist makes, makes more bank. You're not taxed as much. So I guess that can completely influence where you go on tours and things like that. I'm not saying that it does for Justin Moore or you guys, but just overall in the in the grand scheme of, of music, right. in the music industry as a, as a whole, is that a is that a fair statement? I'm just curious from a, that, a musical standpoint. I would think so, and I think it'd be the same in JD's world when they do just anything that's doing events where you need mass amounts of people to gather around. If you're up in the facilities and making it a point to make it a, an area that people want to enjoy, and I mean, because a lot of these towns, I've noticed over the past since the pandemic coming back, they have taken a lot of these towns um, and made entertainment complexes more so than just like there's a building here and this stuff around. It the whole thing's tied in together. Um, I know we were at the big one in Arlington. A lot of the Fourth Street Live type deals they have them in St. Louis. They, I was going to say that one in Arlington, that Texas Live in Arlington, is just exactly like there are a lot of those type things, and maybe not as grandiose as that because that's a big, big, nice one. Um, but things like that are all over the place, uh, and that's directly what they're doing there in Baton Rouge. You, they're putting the money to bring the people in, so the hotels will fill up, so the restaurants will be used, the cab services and airports will be used. You know, because I've said this for a while now, these southern towns, um, there's so many dying little towns in America, you know, that I've seen over the years and it's only gotten worse. And, you know, I can only help what I can get to the closest, which is down here in the south. But a lot of these southern towns, mm-hmm. we remember as kids, they were nice little towns. And the most of them, the majority of them, since yeah. the businesses are gone, they are just run down. The downtown areas are nothing anymore. The malls are closed. The infrastructure's failing. There's no there's no new businesses coming in, and then there's little parts will start trying to revitalize little areas and this and that. But if you don't have people coming in and using the stuff that's there, it's not going to last. So, and and I've said that all yeah. one of these towns is poised for a come up because everyone's wanting to move somewhere the weather's nice. Well, we check we got that. If you can, I mean, we have storms, but 
if you want if you want warm weather and you want to go to some water you can swim in most of the year, you're gonna to have to live in the south. And um and that one of these towns and everybody's wanting to move and they're moving from places going back to the money thing, like in California. Yeah. But they'll, a lot of times they pay more because everything's more expensive. They're just used to paying more out there. So it's all kind of relevant, you know? Um, but if you're leaving somewhere, wanting to look for somewhere to live and you, you've got any kind of money, there's only a handful of places that you would might want to live that you could buy a house for say under 200 grand these days. And, you know, Baton Rouge, Shreveport, uh, Mobile, Pensacola, Montgomery. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of these southern towns along there that mm-hmm. have been, that were big towns. New Orleans, even yeah. New Orleans is probably still expensive, even though it's is no better off than it's ever been. Um, um, but you can move to these places, and there's stuff there. It just needs to be brought back to life. So I'm thinking at yeah. some point, one of these towns is due for a come up because it's going to take things like those initiatives to where you've got a nice place for people to do. Cause if you get there, there's nothing to do right. and there's nowhere to work. There's no place. There's no reason to go. So you got to have jobs. You got to have stuff for people to do. So a lot of these towns are doing just that. They're putting together these complexes and, and it does because then you get a promoter coming in saying, I can run X amount of shows here this year or, or mm-hmm. a, 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 a restaurant tour that can come in and say, Hey, I got, I'll have this many, I'll have this many plates served this year or, you know, or all, the beverage company that wants to work with you to install it all, all trickles down apps and, you know, it's so all that ties in and out. And then when you go, it does. And when you go somewhere yeah, yeah. and when you go somewhere you like, and it's nice, you talk about it. So then it in, inspires other people to go and that's how, and then it gets to rolling, you know? So there's two things on that. If there's somewhere you really like that's kind of quiet, low key, don't tell nobody because everybody will show up. <laughs> Where I'm, I live in Gulf Shores, Alabama. I can attest to that. Uh, but if you do need it, if you do want it to get out and it's good, just let people know and it'll yep. it'll get noticed, you know, soon enough. But um, long answer, yes, Tig. I think that that's going to help a lot of, with entertainment and with just events in general. You know, conventions, all that kind of stuff. Yeah, I think Jr. What you're what you're talking about. And you're in the music business and have been. So I, I know you've been in New Braunfels, Texas, many times over the years. Oh, yeah. I'm sure. Played it used to be a sleepy. Times. Oh yeah. Used to be a sleepy little town, right? Last oh, ten yeah. years, it has gone insane. I mean, they got Whitewater Amphitheater there. They've always had Green Hall there, uh, but the downtown has a bunch of cool little bars and stuff now. It's kind of you know, it's the perfect storm because it's right between Austin and San Antonio. But still, it's a sleepy, right. nice little town with some cool things to do. And all of a sudden now it's just gone insane the last 10 years. <laughs> I could only imagine. I was probably there last in about 07 or 08 maybe. Oh, it's it's changed a lot since then. Yeah, that was pre-Whitewater, all that. I know, I mean, I'm good buddies with Cody Johnson yeah. and them. I'm not, I know that's home, kind of home base yeah. for them. And um, Jackson, his tour manager, was telling me, yeah, you wouldn't even recognize it if you got down there. Because it was, it was still dusty little street. looked like the front of the, the George Strait record that you had with him sitting in there. You know, yeah. it was – had the chick, chicken wire around the outside, and we were opening for Kevin Fowler. You know, it was it was yeah. it was you know Texas Saturday night. It was awesome, uh, but and then, <laughs> you know just real quite quaint little German little influence little town there. We'd have to go towards the interstate interstate with the guys to go to Whataburger uh, back yeah. then because there wasn't really nothing to eat late at night there. But um, but that's that's a lot of Nashville. I was talking. I was in Nashville recently. And I lived there for you know uh, over a thing. decade. Yeah. And it, 
And it is just in Austin. Every time I go back to Austin, it's just more and more. I'm like, what? And it, it does not slow down. It does not slow not at down. All. It's crazy. And Houston, where you're at, I mean, how big? Look how think how big Houston oh, is Jesus. now. I mean, it's, <laughs> it's probably. Huge, yeah. I mean, land wise, it's the biggest in the country. It's got to be because I mean, it spreads yeah. out. You take off from the airport. You're forty. You're up in the clouds where you don't see <laughs> buildings and stuff anymore. You know. Well, yeah, like, long way. I, I know you. You were saying y'all were in Conroe recently. I mean, Conroe is a a suburb of Houston. I'm in a suburb of Houston. That's a two hour drive for me just to get to Conroe. Right. <laughs> right. That's right. Right. Yeah. Right. And I know talking with my grandmother on my on my mother's side, she was born in Houston, and I can remember getting maps out. This has been you know. Some, a couple of years ago, getting maps out and her showing me where kind of she grew up and where she was little immigrant vi- neighborhoods that she grew up in. Um, and I'm thinking where that is now is just a concrete jungle. I'm thinking, cause she hasn't been back since like the fifties or something. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, that was right there. And she, she talked about how far it was to get into town. And I'm thinking, Oh gosh, you know, that's been town since the eighties, you know? Yeah. I've, I've been here for seven. Uh, I've been here since Oh six. I moved here. And just in that period of time, we, we moved to Katy when we moved here. And where we lived then was in the middle of nowhere. There was not a stop sign, not a gas station, not anything. And now it is miles and miles and miles of houses and apartments. Yep. It is absolutely yep. crazy. That's why we had to get out of there. It got to be too much. We had to move a little further west, get back to the small town that Katy was when we moved there. Uh, That's why I'm just going to have to keep so moving wild. west. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, or east. A lot of Texas people are coming this way. I see Texas people all the time yeah, coming this for way because sure. they say California is running them out of Texas. Yep, Austin area especially. That's where all the Californians go. Yeah, yeah and we've got a lot true. of we've got a lot of that here along the coast. New York, California. You know, people relocating. I used to live down off off Thirty A. I couldn't even imagine that now. Oh yeah, yeah. God. And I know I do know one guy though. I always say nobody retires and moves north, but I actually did meet one guy who's a friend of a friend of mine that's from um i can't remember, think of the town name anyway down there in south texas but he has a buddy who left texas moved to michigan on a lake and retired up north of detroit and i'm like you're the only person i've huh. ever met that's ever done that i asked him why yeah. he got a two two and a half acres on a lake in a house for what he sold his house in texas for and he said yeah the cold and the this yeah. and the that but he says i'm good i'm quiet i got my lake right out in the front you know, I'm like, huh? he said, it's quiet. I was like, eh, maybe that, I mean, who knows? Who knows by the time, you know, one day that if enough people do, and this turns into New York city down here, everybody be running back north. Huh? I guess. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yep. No They'll kidding. Go the other way. That's no right. doubt. JD got a question for you. Here's something I'm really curious about. So I mean, like tomorrow, I mean, let's say the president's flying in, like you got one thing to bring like this. You, you've got to bring the heat. It's got to be one, one category, one cut of meat. Like what's your absolute golden go-to? Uh, that's, that's, that's an easy one for me. Um, a prime beef tenderloin cooked whole sliced thin. That is my absolute favorite thing to cook. My number one thing to cook. And I think what I, what I cook absolutely the best. I love cooking them. Love them. Love them. Love them. That's awesome. How do you how do you do that? I mean, you don't have to tell me everything. We'll, we'll, like, you know, it's a reverse sear. Basically, we'll smoke it till it hits about one twenty uh, internal temperature, and then we'll let it rest for a while, and then we'll sear it super hot right at the end, right before we serve it. Um, so yeah, just like reverse searing a steak, but it's a whole you know six seven pound yeah. beef tenderloin. 
And I and love just a thing, just a thing of beauty those. when you slice that thing open, huh? It is a thing of beauty, and everybody really that is. we we cook a lot of them, and everybody that we cook them for just goes crazy over them. So that that would be my number one thing that I know I can knock your socks off with. I like it, man. Yeah, like I'm it. hungry. I'm hungry just thinking about it. <laughs> yeah, me too. Oh, it sounds that delicious. Is, My mouth started watering. Literally, I'm sitting I want here. It you right know, now. If somebody <laughs> specifically said, "Hey, I want, I want something Texas barbecue," just you know, because that's not really barbecue, but if they said, "I want Texas barbecue," knock my socks off. I'd probably have to go with a big giant dino rib. I love those things. They're just so like you. You get it, and you know, like uh, I remember the first time I ordered one of those. I think at Terry Black's in Austin. Oh, I was yeah. like, yeah, hit me up. So I'm like, I don't, one's not going to be enough. <laughs> I'm like, <laughs> I mean, they're big, but I'm like, I can eat a whole rack of baby back ribs. Okay. That's, I'm going to so rich. They're so oh, rich. Oh my though. God. I had no idea. And then, yeah, I couldn't even finish half of the first one before I'm like, this is absolutely delicious, but it's just, it, like you say, it's so rich. Yeah. It's like, uh, I, you know, I've made a, a handful of times pork belly burnt ends. Oh, They're yeah. fantastic. I love them. But same thing. Like, I can only Can't eat, eat a whole ton three of them. of them. But no, because they're so rich. It's just, uh, but man, oh, so good. So good. I'm uh, I'm definitely going to leave this podcast starving, hungry. <laughs> and I may, I may go, I think I'm probably going to have to leave and go to the store and get some ribeyes. I think there steak has to be cooked tonight. Maybe a, maybe a rib I want it. Hey, yeah. this may be like asking Barry Bonds, did he ever use steroids? But have you ever messed around with like the sous vide cooking at all? Uh, not much. My dad likes to sous vide cook. I've you know I've messed around with it with him a little bit. I've got nothing against it, but uh, I just, it's just not something I've messed with a whole I, lot. I get it. I mean, you wouldn't show up at a <laughs> at a competition, but I've gotten where <laughs> can't you little me. Here we go, boys. Uh, Here's it, my dude, little I, tub of I, water. I, I, <laughs> pot. Here's my thing. I'm done. I'll yeah. see y'all in about three hours. Uh, but no, I, I I really like it for steak, and that's about the only place I really use yeah. it. But I found that I can bring a super yeah. consistent steak to the table, man. Like I go to good. It good puts prim, out uh, prime it, ribeye every time. And, God, so good. Yeah, it puts out great product. It's just not. I've got nothing against it. I've I've been saying for years, hey, I'm going to go buy one. I just haven't ever gotten around to doing it. The best thing that you would use it for, JD, honestly, I use it. I use a sous vide weekly, but I use it more so for just reheating stuff. Like Like, you know, pulled pork, brisket, whatever. I know you get tired of eating that. We've talked about that. But, you know, anything else, you vacuum seal it, you have it in the freezer or whatever. Boudin. You know, I'll get a pack of Karchner's boudin, chunk it in that sous vide at 165, walk off, and it's just ready whenever I want it. Oh, in fact, I'm so, probably going to definitely it. do that when I get if off. If you're doing this, two yeah. hours or you can go four hours, you're, you know, you're fine. There's a big window yeah. there. It's Eggs. very loose. Yeah, you know, we, I can go out and go to whatever, you know, got a baseball game, come back, and, dude, I'm ready. Mm-hmm. All I got to do is sear this bad boy, and I'm good to go. Yeah, but, and we would yeah, use that a lot. So obviously, we have a lot of leftover barbecue around here. A lot of times, uh, <laughs> you know, make, make, I've been the make baked I've potatoes been the or nachos or quesadillas or whatever. <laughs> Dude, <laughs> so, I'm still yeah, I'm still eating on I'm still eating Braggy Bomb pulled pork from February or whenever <laughs> it was. I brought so much yeah. home. I vacuum sealed it all. Fantastic. None of it's going to waste. It was so freaking good, man. All hit hard with that El Jefe, which, oh, yeah. by the way, the Bre- the Breggy Bomb, 
spices and rubs are absolutely phenomenal. They are phenomenal. JD I appreciate that. And, and, and JJ, they've all put in the time, the work, years and years of work yeah. with those spices. And just unbelievable. The brush dust. It uh, and I, I mean I'll let you explain them all, JD. I, I'm very passionate about them because I freaking love them. I've turned folks on to them, and we talked. I made some sausage. I never got to. I didn't because I didn't come to the Houston rodeo. I didn't bring the sausage that I did make that had Breggy Bomb uh, brush dust in it. JJ and I had kind of brainstormed yeah. a little idea with some concoctions and all. So and I've, I've had sausage with the El Jefe in it. I've had sausage with the El Jefe in it. I've never had sausage with the brush dust in it, but I could see how that would work well. Uh, it, wor- it, it's, it, it was surprisingly, it worked surprisingly well. I mean, t- that brush dust really surprises good. a lot of people because of the it look does. of it. It's, it's, a, it's yellow, so it freaks yeah. people out. They're like, what, what the hell is this? We're, we're going to put this on our food? But it's the turmeric in there that makes it yellow and gives it that distinctive taste. And, you know, some of our other stuff, like the El Jefe, I think it's a phenomenal beef rub. It's great. And it's great on mm, pork also. It is. Yeah. But it's not it's not super unique, you know? Yeah. It's different than other things on the market, but it's not super unique. That right, brush dust right. is super unique. There's the nothing like that on the is. market. No. It's no, completely it's, different. It's so freaking good on wings. And it it's unbelievable on fish. I've been put I've it fried is. um I've fried shrimp recently. I put that in and with the the flour and all that stuff. I had some brush dust in there for the shrimp, just and and fish, any anything. It's just it's it's a really unique product, and and I could see where folks would be a little concerned because it's it's yellow, you know. <laughs> but I mean, it's probably our something good. It's probably our least selling product on the shelf. But when we go to events and we have stuff for samples and people can taste test. It's probably our number one seller when people yeah. can get there, can actually taste it on site. It is so, get the so unique. Out, huh? yeah, yeah, that's I, right. Yep. That's it. Yeah. I got a, I've got a gaggle, a box worth of stuff to send you boys uh, <laughs> of all of this stuff. Yeah, I can, I'll send you. Yeah, I was gonna say one of every. Yeah, we should. Try I suggest some, some of the new and, stuff uh, too. Yeah. There you go. There you go. Yeah, well, y'all got it. Y'all have to. Y'all have to. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. You've got. <laughs> I gotta, you got Y'all got to oh, have yeah. some of this stuff. Right. Now you're talking my yeah, love we language. We could try here. a different. We could all do a different. Uh, a different something, and then talk about what we used and what we cooked and all that. Because I'd love to. I don't know if you oh, see. Oh yeah. I don't know. If you, you might. I don't know if you've ever used one of these, JD. But above Chad or above Blasey there, we got the Bull Boss because Bull Bosses come on to help us out and send us some uh, Bull Boss equipment and. Um, nice. We were. At, I don't know if we've talked about that. Did you use the bull boss this weekend, Blasey? Man, I did, and it it actually worked really, really well. I was, I, you know, I was skeptical going in. I was like, right, this is gonna mess me up. Thinking. I'm gonna have to adjust my boil times and do. Dude, I didn't change anything except I didn't throw ice in there and I didn't dilute my seasoning. And this thing shut it down just like it said that three to five minute window. I think the first first time we counted it was like four minute and ten seconds, and it's that's about four minutes every time. It cools the pot down. It's a ring. It sprays the pot versus adding ice, and and it just cool. And it's amazing because we're sitting there looking at it for the first minute. It's like this is not going to drop temperature, you know. And then about two minutes, dude, it just starts. Here comes that thermometer. It's going down. Gets right to the soak zone. Huh. It turned out great. I mean, as good a crawfish bowl as I'm I've looking. Done, so. I'm looking at this thing online to see what the hell you're talking about. Oh, you had never oh, heard yeah, of uh, JD? No, uh-uh, I'm unfamiliar with that. Yeah, it's a ring that hangs on your pot. 
and has holes and sprays the outside yeah, of the yeah. pot. So you turn the water on instead of adding the ice to bring the temperature down, use the ring, and it worked great. And they also have a paddle. Yes, the, yeah, yes, the paddle's yeah. awesome. It's got a long thermometer throughout the paddle, so you can see. It even tells you it gets you into that soak zone, so you know. We were actually talking about that uh, when we were at that crawfish cook-off a, a month or two ago. We were talking about, hey, somebody needs to come up with a paddle with a thermometer on it. There you go. Somebody already yep, did it. Bull balls yep. I thought ball. the same thing the first time I saw it. I said, I've heard 20 <laughs> people talk about why don't we have one of these, and then here they go. Uh, but yeah, you know, that would be great. And I know we're a little off from crawfish season. It's almost over this year, but, uh, I would love to try our bowl with bull balls, but also using the, uh, the seafood, uh, um, spices you have. I'd love to try that. Right yeah. Now Cause sometime. I mean, we're, we're still going to push that seafood bowl. Um, when we come out with, it's great on crawfish. That's what we originally made it for, but that's sure a regional shrimp, thing. Crab, right here. Y'all's, y'all's yeah. region. Shrimp and crab. We want to push into Florida. We want to push into the East Coast. We're looking to pick two fights right now. We want to pick a fight with Old oh, Bay. Yeah. We want to with that right. seasoning, and we want to go pick a fight with Paul Prudhomme with our blackened seasoning. And we think we got Ooh. a shot with both of them if we go about it the right way. Y'all heard it. Y'all heard it here first on Tig's bits, folks. And uh, game on. The war is started. And I can tell you who the hell's yeah. going to win it. <laughs> I already can tell you because I've tasted them. And I, I've even, I even, because he, uh, JJ had some in his truck, I got to taste a little bit of that crab boil. Nice. Crawfish boil, whatever it's going to be called. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> yeah, killer. Uh, it's killer. Brantley, I haven't had send, mugs in them yet, but they're killer. Send me everybody's address, Brantley, when we're done with this, and okay. I'll, I'll ship some stuff out to y'all. All right. Awesome. Yeah, because I was going to say, we'll make sure, uh, the ne- I know, I oh, know, awesome. uh, my, you, I'm, yeah. like I said, I'm down here at the beach too, but I know, um, the, the, my friend who has the round pots that, that boils with me, both of our wives are from Homa. He's from Georgia. Yeah. I'm from Alabama. Both our wives are from South Louisiana. So we've, we've kind of had to adopt some of those Louisiana cultures and he's got it down pat. So we're going to do a uh, Royal red boil at some point um, here in the next month. So yeah. uh, man, I'll hold out for that. Cause that might be where we need to try them. And uh, we'll take some pictures, and then mm-hmm. we can talk about it on the podcast. That'd be that'd be awesome. Yeah, I'd just love to get everybody's feedback. Um, and I'll tell you on the boil, it's a it's got a lot less sodium than like your Zatarans or your Louisiana or anything like that. Um, you don't have to use as much. It's a concentrate. It's got a lot of the fruits and stuff already in there, the orange and orange zest and stuff like that already in there. One thing, I don't know how you all cook your crawfish, but if you're cooking in clean water. And then you're just soaking in an ice chest or something. Uh, it does not work as well for that. You gotta you gotta get that seasoning up to a boil and get it rolling so it releases all of the aromatics and stuff in it. So we've had a couple of people try it at restaurants here locally that said, "Oh no, it doesn't work for us." Well, it's it's it doesn't match up with the way that they're cooking. But if you get it up to boil, and like we use a two pot method when we do crawfish, we cook in clean water and then we soak in another pot. But we know how our seasoning works. So in the in the dirty water pot, we'll get it up to a boil and let it roll for a while and then shut it down, let it cool down. So all those flavors are released in there. We've done that previously. We've already cooked it out. Then we let it come down to, you know, 150 degrees or whatever it is, and we'll soak our crawfish in that. But you can't just put it straight in cold water and soak your, your crawfish in that because it's not going to work how it's supposed to work. Right. And we know that that's just, that's a learning curve for people that we got to get out there to people. 
Well, yeah. the, well, your technique works perfect with me. So, and I think with the rest of us, that that's the way I'm doing it. I'm letting all that goodness hang out together and bring it yeah, all. Yeah, in so that's know? how we do anyway. Yeah. yeah. Well, we we're we're plan we're planning JD. Ne- we're planning next year uh, during crawfish season, like in March, February, March, to have a little crawfish contest. Blasey and I. And and we would love for you to join in on this as well. Hell yeah! It's more of a, it's more of a Tig's bits party than a contest. Let's just call it what it is. But we'll we'll get the gloves out. We'll go Joe Rogan style on this thing. We'll do a podcast from the stage <laughs> of the floor, Bama, and we'll just go all in. But we're going to do a crawfish bowl. This is happening. It has to happen. I love it. We yes. talked about it, it too much, and uh, and there's no reason for it not to. Jr can definitely uh, get us in with the Floribama to be able to do it there. So it'll be fun. And you can bring the Breggy Bomb boys and bring y'all yeah, stuff yeah. and y'all come over and uh, let's just have a good time. Eat some eat No, some we'd bugs. love to do that. Absolutely. We love it. And it's done. And that should match up well for y'all post-barbecue uh, March's rodeo. March's, March's rodeo. rodeo. Right after Mardi Gras. So, so rodeos I mean, usually, be in April, you know, rodeo is usually over around called the 20th of March, somewhere around okay. there. There you go. So sometime around my birthday, I'll be damn. Yeah. I Anytime after rodeo, to... I'm in. Yep. And if we're lucky, you would, if we're lucky, you and Blasey will both get drunk and argue and fight right there on the camera in front of everybody. <laughs> <laughs> I hope y'all go totally trying to sabotage each other's boil too. You know, lose my number, you and your shitty boil. Why don't you bring it back up? Number with your. I'm gonna bring. I'll I'll bring my boy Gil. My boy Gil's gonna come with me, and God help all of you. I don't need him. I'm just gonna bring him. Just so he he will he he's just my intimidator. You know. Okay. Okay. I just need him. You know. You know, you'd be thinking, yeah. All I got is JJ. He's not going to do much for me. No, he's not. He He's going to talk to a lot of people, though. <laughs> yes. We can do a slap pans competition for for round one and let and then play Hal and slap pans, and then we'll jump into the bowl. Oh, yeah. Well, all of this will be documented, and it might get a little weird. Uh, it may, who knows? Bubba the Love Sponge could show up. <laughs> Anything Never can happen. Know. It's Tig's Bits. Anything can happen, man. 